1: Hey, Joe. Welcome to the Best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio that you hear on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Hi, how you doing? I'm Dan Day. In just a little while, we're going to get to the Joe Rose interview with Mr. Football, Danny Cannell. Also, Dan Lebatard show, looking into Kenny Stills. Will he stay or will he go? Plus, they talk to Prince Fielder, the foodie, and Stephen A. Smith. He's going to be weighing in on the Kobe Shaq smack. But first, let's take a step into the day spa. (sighs) The Dolphins remain in heated trade talks with the Texans over Jadavian Clowney. Clowney or no Clowney, the Finns play their final preseason game tomorrow in New Orleans against the Saints. Kickoff is at eight, and you can listen to it right here on 560 The Joe WQAM. The Marlins dropped their second in a row to the Reds last night. Losing 8-5, Game 3 of the four-game series is tonight at 7-10 here in Miami. Hurricane second string QB Tate Martell looks to spend more time playing receiver this season, says coaches. The Canes are off this weekend, but play next Saturday against ACC rival North Carolina. ESPN has released their NBA predictions for next season, and despite the Heat being one of the teams they deem will face the most drama in the league, they also predict them to finish seventh in the East. Miami's first game is October 23rd versus Memphis. 15-year-old Delray Beach native Coco Gauff won her opening match at the U.S. Open yesterday defeating Russian Anastasia Parpova. Gauff will face Hungary's Tamia Babos in round two tomorrow. The U.S. men's national soccer team has announced their 25-man roster. Notable names to make the cut are youngsters Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, and Yassi Zardes. The team has two upcoming friendlies, September 6th against Mexico and September 10th versus Uruguay. And now we take a downward turn. Video cameras caught a woman using a saw to break into a Houston area Botox clinic. She allegedly made off with hundreds of dollars worth of anti-aging products. Get a look at this hot mess of the day on my Twitter page, at Radio. A Louisiana couple has grown the heaviest grapefruit known to man. The grand total, seven pounds, one ounce. Just more evidence that juicing has gotten out of hand. Now on to weather brought to you by Hylia Park. Today's forecast calls for off and on rain and temperatures in the 80s. Visit Hylia Park Casino every Saturday and win your share of $10,000 in giveaways. Drawings all day long and it's free to enter. Visit HyliaPark.com for more details. It is football season and this time of the year, Danny Cannell seems to be everywhere. Earlier today, he caught up with the Joe Rose Show talking about his hustling he has some football predictions for us. He also touches on the clowny trade rumors. And will Rosen be rosy?
3: Good morning, Mr. Cannell. How are you? <laughs> What's up, Zach? What's up? You know, you, Zach, you know I learned from the best. Of course. right there and the joe like joe i remember watching him and watching his hustle and i was like all right i see how it's got to be like and i like him i got mouths to feed i got three girls right. i got three daughters there he got paid for three weddings down the road i mean I, the, the sad thing about it is i don't get to spend any of the money i make it like all goes straight to the to my wife right. to my wife and my daughters like i don't even get to enjoy any of the money that i make you're Danny.
4: right on the money <laughs> everything you said you're right on the money i'm glad to see you learn that too Danny. You're, what's you're better right. than one check three Checks. That's yeah. how I learned yeah. from Joe Rose. Yeah. Exactly, no right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, there's all kinds of stuff. By the way, uh, the football, it's so great to have college football back this week and, and getting going uh, again. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. Michigan or Ohio State
3: in the Big Ten? I'm leading Michigan. I feel like I'm falling for the hype a little bit, but to me it's more about the unknown that's at Ohio State, right? I mean, Urban Meyer, whether you like him or not, he is one of the best coaches of this generation. You lose that voice, you lose that leadership, and it's just too much of an unknown for me. And Ryan Day has the pedigree, he has the resume to step right in and take over, and he did have some experience last year as the interim head coach, but it's a whole different animal being the guy, the leader, and Urban Meyer was one of the best Motivators the game has ever seen. I don't know how Ryan Day is going to do there. Then you got Justin Fields, who, yeah, he was a five-star Mr. All-Everything in high school, but how many times have we seen guys that are pegged to be you know, the next big thing fall flat? And I'm not saying Justin Fields will fall flat. Maybe he's a Heisman Trophy winner. Maybe he's a stud. But I get really leery of making picks based on guys I really haven't seen much play much at the collegiate level. So that's too much of an unknown for me. Then you throw in the fact that Michigan catches Ohio State in Ann Arbor this year. It yeah. just feels like it's their breakout year, so I'm leaning towards Michigan. Not with a ton of confidence. It's more the, the unknowns at Ohio State than it is And oh man, I love this Michigan team.
4: Texas overtake Oklahoma this year?
3: I think they do. Again, it's sort of similar in the unknown at Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts, if you guys remember, was at uh, Alabama. Was a really good quarterback at Alabama. Took them to the playoff. Couldn't get them to that next level, especially as a quarterback throwing the football and then he lost his job to Tua tonk of a and then Tula setting all kind of records at Bama as a passer. So now Jalen Hurts is going to Oklahoma where they throw the football all over the yard. They've had two back-to-back Heisman Trophy winner and number one overall draft picks, and he's supposed to continue that level of play I just have too many doubts about him at that position and I love Sam Ellinger at Texas he really is a right-handed Tim Tebow if you watch him play style of play it's not exactly pretty when he throws the football but he gets it done he has a knack for making plays and then really most importantly he's the emotional leader on that team he really is he's a really good kid like he's, he's he'll put his nose down He always seems like that guy kind of limping after the game he's got like a shoulder that's kind of Bother him because he had to make it on a fourth down. Like he's your prototypical, like old school football quarterback, and I love it from him. So I'm I'm leaning towards Texas in the Big Twelve.
4: All right, and then finally Georgia finally overtake. Alabama, Can it happen this year? Finally, They've teased them a little bit. Can they
3: finally get through? I would love to see, and now this is where Bama fans will get mad at me, I would love to see anybody topple Bama. Like, just give it, and and <laughs> Clemson, for that matter. Like, I'm tired of seeing. I, I know some people think, oh, it's great to see Bama and Clemson play again. I don't think Georgia is ready to take that next step. I mean, Bama, yeah, they had a really rough game against Clemson. They got torched. They got blown off the field. But now they're almost, and this is what's scary, when Nick Saban has a motivated team, that's angry it's kind of like clemson kicked the hornet's nest and all of a sudden they're going to take it out on everybody on their schedule this weekend and go for that rematch against clemson so i think Georgia's is a good football team i do think they win the east but if you look at the last two times they've played Bamba and everybody says oh they're close if you look at the second half in those games they've been outscored like 48 to 17 in the second half they've had leads at halftime and totally come up short and just i don't think they're quite there yet And I don't think it's a knock. I mean, Bama and Clemson are just in a different stratosphere that everybody's trying to get to, and Georgia's one of the closest teams there. But I just, I'm not buying into them this year Losing a lot on the offensive side of the ball. Jake Fromm is coming back. I love Jake Fromm, but I'm curious to see who he's going to be throwing the football to as he's replacing like four out of his top five receivers.
5: Danny, what does an FSU fan do during Canes and UF? Like, like, what, what do they do during that game? <laughs> who do they root for? And how many showers do you have to take during that game because you feel dirty rooting for one of those teams? Yeah,
6: it was
3: ugly, Zach. I can I hate the whole SEC pride thing where you root for the SEC. So I don't. I didn't want to root for Miami from that standpoint. I would say, typically, Hurricanes fans have been less annoying, and I, I say that, like, I've always kind of gotten along better with Canes fans more than Gator fans, because historically, the Canes at least did something, right? They had five national championships, they were quarterback you, so it didn't bother me as much when they were cocky, and i look at Gator fans and be like, why are you guys talking all this trash? You haven't done anything. Now, it has changed somewhat. They did get a couple, they did get over that hump, they did get the national championship, but I still, there's just... Some edge that Gator fans, a twinge of arrogance that I don't feel is quite deserved. So I would say I'd probably lean towards Miami, although the night before the game, I see Michael Irvin giving this impassioned speech, and I was like, <laughs> oh, jeez. I can't I can't root for either one of these teams. But I got what I wished for because I wished for an ugly game, and that's it. what we got. It that's was right. ugly. You got oh, exactly You're what
4: you kidding. asked for. It, right? that, uh,
3: that's what happens, <laughs> man, when you
4: don't have preseason for college. All right, uh, we, got, we got some stuff going on down here. Jadavian Clowney. What do you think about trying to trade for him, for the Miami Dolphins, and, and what they're doing
3: here with this rebuild? It feels eerily similar to me to the Sioux signing. Remember when the Dolphins signed, got him from Sioux, and they brought him in, and it was like, oh, he's this stud player, and he was and it came and it just fell short remember watching I mean I remember watching tape and looking at Sue and being like is this guy even trying sometime like he just shut it down Jadavion Clowney to me is a risky proposition if you get the best of Jadavion Clowney he's one of the best most unblockable guys in the NFL I do question his desire and his like consistent ability to go out there you know high motor is not a term you would use to describe Jadavion Clowney talented potential all those things come to mind i just worry about somebody when he was at south carolina shut it down really his last year there comes into the nfl doesn't do a whole lot his first couple years and now some of it's due to injury but then once he gets close to his contract he starts to ball out i just have a worry that if you get him here you pay him the big signing you know give him the big money he gets the big contract where is his level of interest in the game if he comes out there and he's then he's uh, motivated and somehow brian flores can maximize his potential It could be one of the best signings you've ever seen. But if not, it could be a complete dud and fall flat in your face. So I think it's a risky proposition, but it's all in what the Dolphins think they can get out of Davion Clowney.
5: All right, Daniel, we'll stay with the Dolphins for a second here. Uh, Obviously, we've seen through preseason, and we saw it right before the game started, Ryan Fitzpatrick was basically put in the number one spot for that quarterback position position for the team. Changed a little bit maybe, I'm not sure, but what would you do if you were coach or GM of this team opening week if both guys are healthy? Do you start Rosen and just let him go? Or do you start Fitzpatrick and then get Rosen in there at some point?
3: I mean, obviously, it depends on how they both looked ins and outs of practices. Ryan Fitzpatrick, to me, would pick up the system faster because he's been around a lot longer, knows the ins and outs, knows a lot of different terminology – So that's probably the comfortable, safer pick uh, for the Dolphins to go with him. I think he can go out there and he can run the offense a little bit more efficiently and effectively early in the season. And then the other reason I do think is if Josh Rosen goes out there and struggles early and you make the switch to Fitzpatrick, like your Josh Rosen experiment might be over right then and there. So I think the safer play is to go with Fitzpatrick early. Let him see how he plays. If he gets a hot hand and they start winning, you can roll with him. We all probably are come to the realization or the reality that that's probably not going to happen, that Dolphins aren't going to be in playoff contention this year. So after, you know, four weeks of the season, six weeks of the season, when Josh Rosen is a little more comfortable with the ins and outs and the, the weekly um, adjustments and the new plays that the Dolphins playbook is, is is being implemented, then he'll be more comfortable. And then you can roll Josh Rosen out there the back half of the season and make your decision based on him then, from then on out. I just worry about the Josh Rosen trade. If it, if it all of a sudden, if he struggles early, do they have the fortitude to stick with him for 16 games and say if he's our guy we're going to let we're going to ride this out with him the entire season so I think the Dolphins are going to lean towards Fitzpatrick early but that's with no inside intel I just think that's what kind of you would see a team do
4: Danny do you think Josh Rosen can play and be the future or do you think that first round pick next year is going to be on one of these quarterbacks that we've been talking about
3: Josh Rosen coming out of his draft class, which had Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, you know, that whole crop, which was incredible. Josh Allen was the best pure passer of the football. I was one of the people that were concerned about his, um, and it's not his smarts. It has nothing to do with that, because I think every coach would want a smart quarterback who's going to ask a lot of questions. I think that was totally um, a misconception about him or a knock that wasn't true. I do wonder about his ability to lead, Uh, and it was something that when he was at UC, L.A. for whatever reason, the players, the teammates didn't really gravitate toward him. Yeah, you heard some guys defend him. I just don't know if he's an inspirational leader, which is what you need uh, as a franchise quarterback. Now, there was a cockiness about him that I didn't like either. Maybe he's been humbled. Maybe, you know, you get traded and you have a rough year. All of a sudden, you start looking at things a little bit differently. If he can humble himself and he's come in there with a new attitude, which I loved his exit from Arizona. I thought he handled it with a lot of class, didn't get angry, and, you know, really came in with a good attitude, that I'm going to go to work. If he does that his talent is off the charts? I just want I want to see how he handled this year, and I think it is. It is exactly what the Dolphins are saying. It is a one year audition for Josh Rosen to prove himself as a franchise quarterback, and that may not even be on the field. Like we all know, he can make all the throws. To me, it's what does he do on a daily basis? What is he like as a leader? Is he worthy of making the of building a franchise around him? And I think we're going to find out all those answers through the season.
5: Danny, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, I'm assuming you found out just like all of us watching that Canes Gators game. On Saturday night, breaking news goes on the bottom line and all of a sudden it's Andrew Luck is announcing his retirement or he will be retiring. What happened when you first saw that, did you think it was wrong at first? Like I didn't even believe it at first. Then you see on Twitter what happened, but that's gotta be one of the craziest things we've seen in a while, right?
3: Oh, for sure. Like I thought it was a massive prank. I was like, Is this some fake Schefter account that somebody fell for me? It was just bizarre. It really yeah. it was one of the most bizarre things. Like I go back, I think of bizarre, like crazy sports stories. I think it ranks up there with when Michael Jordan and went to play baseball like we were like huh what when did this come out of nowhere when my uh magic johnson announced he had aid that was a shocker i remember exactly where i was when that announcement was made we we're like what is going on this was similar i mean they're just coming out of nowhere my initial reaction was some guys aren't built for this some bodies aren't built for this and that's what I thought with Andrew Luck like his body did not take to the NFL and it's something that's impossible to predict when you're coming out of college he didn't have a lot of injuries when he was at Stanford he looks like a prototypical NFL quarterback he's big he's strong but for whatever reason his body just couldn't take the pounding and he was constantly in rehab constantly having off-season surgeries and I totally understand where that gets to be a wear and tear on the body you know what else makes it a lot easier to hang it up Ninety-seven million dollars. Yeah, right, how much right. He right. made? Makes a lot I mean, that's right. a reality. People haven't really talked about that. I would be very curious to you know if he only made nine hundred thousand, and there was still thirty million dollars or whatever it was. I have a hunch he would probably find a way to gut through it. But when you have ninety-seven million dollars in the bank, it makes that decision to walk away a lot easier. And I know he made—he left a lot of money on the table, but he has made a lot in his career, so it makes that decision that much easier.
4: I'll tell you, his timing was. Whichever side you're on, I, and everybody in the media's been attacking. Each other, but the timing was terrible for the Colts. I mean, the middle of third preseason game. Even if he made up his mind a few days before, I mean, they're kind of they're kind of stuck, and we'll find out what Brissette can do up there. Hey, uh, last question for you before you go, and and one of the most important questions. One of the great sports doctors of all time. How's Doc Big Doc Canal doing?
3: Big Doc, man. You are the best because you're always a fan. I know he took care of you, man. You know I always say? i extremely blessed. I have the best dad in the world. He's outstanding. Still, we just had dinner last week. We, that's the one best part. I was up in Connecticut with ESPN for five years. Didn't get to see him as much, but now that I'm back here, we get to go out once a week. We are at breakfast or dinner, and uh, he's the best, man. So I appreciate yeah. you asking.
4: No, Always. By the way, I got my greatest story of all time, man. Sneaking out of the hospital early in the morning without a surgery because <laughs> right. of Big Doc. Joe, I know you're worried about getting cut, but you don't need that surgery. And that's when that was, <laughs> yep. one, that was one of the few times Jesus has ever talked to me up on the wall there. And he said, Leave, Joe, it's time to go. So, Big Doc was that's a right. powerful man. Wow, wow. Hey, <laughs> it's great having you, Danny. Thank you so much, Thanks, buddy. Danny. I love it, Zach. Joe, great talk- talking right, to buddy, you guys. Have a great day. Well.
1: Joe Rose got a busy one tomorrow. He's gonna be on the air from 6 to 10. Then help out with the Dolphins coverage. Remember, it's Dolphins versus Saints from the Big Easy. Kickoff at 8 pregame, 4 o'clock, and you can hear it all here on 560 the Joe WQAM. Up next, Dan Lebetard takes a shot at Paul Feinbaum, who recently took a shot at Miami. This is the Best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show. You are listening to music from The Killers. This song is The Man, and The Killers are going to be the man when it comes to Riptide Music Festival powered by Ford. It happens to be Broward County's 2019 signature event. It's coming to Fort Lauderdale Beach November 23rd and 24th. This year's event is headlined by the band. You're listening to The Killers. I actually do. I care a lot about this big festival. It's going to be absolutely awesome because also performing one of my all-time favorite bands, the Silver Sun Pickups, plus the 1975, The Revivalist, K-Flay, Fuel, Real Big Fish, Soul Asylum, and many more. A limited number of early bird two-day general admission tickets are on sale now at WQAM.com for just $59, and a limited number of two-day Early Bird VIP tickets will be on sale for $99. Early Bird tickets are on sale till Labor Day or until supplies last. It's Riptide Fest, powered by Ford, and you can get all the details at WQAM.com. And while you're at it, follow us on Twitter, at 560WQAM, and give me a follow. At Dan Day Radio. Speaking of Dan's, Dan Lebitar and the guys earlier today talking about Kenny Still's clash situation. Should he stay or should he go? Paul Feinbaum did some apologizing for calling the U a third world program, and Prince Fielder, a foodie? Kenny Stills is sort of in danger of losing his job. He's right on the
2: cusp. He's a difficult salary cap hit uh, next year. He's very expensive for someone with mediocre output. And Brian Flores the coach of the Dolphins, in challenging him publicly, in creating a distraction with Jay-Z music, was saying he hasn't been the player we need him to be and I need him to concentrate on the on-field stuff instead of the off-field stuff. The Jay-Z music is just noise.
0: Although he has said that he has practiced better since he played the Jay-Z songs.
2: That's uh the Stugats is strong and Brian Flores. Uh, Kenny Stills has been better since I motivated him to be better with my ridiculous Jay-Z thing that I had to explain. But this is what I would ask you guys in the present 2019 climate, if you were the agent for Kenny Stills, if all other things are equal and your guy is a borderline cut, do you tell him to go make the agree to disagree mess because it gives him leverage. Like, I'm not even questioning whether or not Kenny Stills is sincere about the cause because I believe him to be sincere about the cause. I'm saying if you're his agent and do you put him in the room with Stephen Ross and have him emerge from the room with the owner of the Dolphins and say we agree to disagree because it makes it more difficult to cut him because it absolutely does. There's no disputing that it makes it more difficult on a nowhere team, even if you've got reasonable football reasons for cutting him, and they do, it. the optics make it more difficult.
0: Hasn't exactly worked out for Colin Kaepernick. It just hasn't. So with Kenny Stills, it would make it more difficult. I feel like it's difficult right now for Stephen Ross to do it. I mean, he was he was nominated as right player of the year, like off the field work, doing work for Stephen Ross's foundation. Like, I think it's a bad look right now to get rid of Kenny I've, Stills.
2: I guess that's what I'm saying. I know. I'm saying that if you're Kenny Stills' agent as a leverage move because you know your guy is on the cusp, do you say make a bigger public mess because it makes it much harder for this guy? Stephen Ross is not equipped for this. Stephen Ross is not a public figure. Anyone who's been around Stephen Ross will tell you that these waters are not the waters he wants to be navigating.
0: Yes, make the biggest possible mess. It gives you more leverage. Yes, it will make him look bad if he decides to get
2: rid of you. Yep. And that part is interesting to me as a because everyone can be right on that one where The Dolphins can absolutely try to argue that this is a reasonable football move to get rid of a guy who's expensive. And Belichick, my guess is, would fear it a hell of a lot less than the Dolphins because Belichick and Kraft can do whatever they want, clearly. Clearly, Bob Kraft can do just about whatever he wants. And clearly, Belichick can do just about anything that he wants. And they don't have to worry about optics. They don't have to worry about public relations. Let me talk about public relations here for a second, because we found ourselves in the middle of something with Paul Feinbaum here yesterday that we were treating, you know, as a little bit of a joke. We didn't demand an apology. We demanded... A clarification, because it's a ridiculous thing to demand in a vigorous tone. We demanded a clarification <laughs> on him calling Miami a third-world program. Here's the sound.
7: One other story I
1: saw this morning. Uh, the uh, Florida band director was attacked out in the parking lot going to the bus. I'm right. i wondering- heard anything
7: about that i have heard i haven't heard much uh, but i did hear about it and yeah you know i, I don't want to incite the crowd here but uh, when it comes to miami nothing surprises me it's it's just a it's a third world program if you ask me
1: well at least no one was shot i guess uh
2: and so uh, paul feinbaum and i i talked to him this morning and he's genuinely remorseful too remorseful i feel like honestly because i'm not the angry mob guy Uh, We're not the angry mob people. I'm scared of the angry mob. I watched the Chappelle special and I'm seeing a guy who used to be for the disenfranchised and now he's a rich celebrity protecting celebrity and protecting his ability to make money with his comedy of the ability to be. Say whatever he wants because he's protecting his perspective. Paul had mentioned to me, and he apologized, way I thought, way too profusely on the air, but he was genuinely sorry because someone on his staff evidently was a U.M. person and brought to light to him, hey, this wasn't the thing to say, and it's really all I'm ever asking for with these conversations. You don't have to apologize. Just think about it the next time, the choice that you're making. And Paul Feinbaum clearly will because, look, uh, he fell on the sword I felt way too hard.
7: Yesterday we had quite a bit of conversation about the University of Miami. And in a conversation with a caller, I said some incredibly unfortunate things. This is where sometimes talk show hosts try to equivocate. They try to explain. They try to clarify. I'm not going to do that today because once you say something, it's done. You can't take it back. I should know that. I'm a professional. I've been doing this a very long time. And what I said here yesterday was very hurtful to a number of people. For that, I sincerely apologize to all Miami fans and to the University of Miami. Uh, I wish I could take it back, but I can't. All I can do is apologize and work very hard to avoid similar mistakes. In the future.
2: So it was honest. And what I was telling you, Stugatz, about public relations, and one of the things that's been maddening to me since I got into the sports coverage business is when public relations people start getting involved in stuff like this, what happens is a small distilling of the honesty and a protection of how things look instead of how things actually are. Public relations exists to protect the how things look. And if that's your governor, it's a poison. It is defense to everything that resembles creativity. I believe that this man is at the center, literally, of the single greatest celebration in the history of baseball. When he hit a home run and he jumped on home plate and all of his teammates fell down at home plate (laughs) because he uh, had just hit a home run. Uh, But I don't want to talk to Prince Fielder about baseball. I want to talk to him... About food. So, uh, Prince, thank you for joining us. Are you proclaiming yourself a barbecue expert? Can we go to you with all of our barbecue questions and you're willing to be the Supreme Court judge who makes rulings on this stuff?
6: Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. But I mean, you know, from uh, looking at the taste of the game, the book and everything, I know a little bit, but I'm not I'm not a master by any means.
2: All right, well, we're making you a master anyway, whether you want to be or not, because uh, you're here on behalf of Kingsford Charcoal, and if you don't want to play along, we're going to do it anyway. So tell us the perfect way to barbecue something, according to uh, Prince Fielder.
6: Well, you definitely got to use Kingsford Charcoal, because that's where all the flavor comes from.
2: Well
0: done. And then
6: um, it depends. I mean, you know, I mean, it depends on how you like your, whatever uh, you're grilling cooked, if you like it well done, medium, you know what I mean, whatever you like. You know, it's your preference.
0: So, Prince, what do you do if, you, if you're if you grilling? Because timing is very important with this stuff uh, right. because you want the stuff to be hot the second it comes off the grill. So if you're going hot dogs, hamburgers, and chicken, do you throw them all on the grill first? Do you throw one on the grill first? How do you negotiate that?
6: That's a good question. I probably go uh, chicken last after I do the hot dogs and uh, burgers and go chicken. And that way, you know, the hot dogs and uh, burgers can, you know, rest for a second. And once the chicken's done, you're ready to go what is the best
2: side dish at a barbecue Mm,
6: good question uh first of all it depends who's making them and i would say probably i like uh macaroni and cheese
3: (laughs) (laughs) prince is it thoroughly unacceptable to put aluminum foil down on the grill before you start grilling great question
6: (laughs) i don't know uh i know growing up everyone who's my dad and everyone, I never seen him do that. So I would say no. Yeah,
2: Cecil Fielder would never. 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 He would never. You've even though some. Even though some producers back there on our show may have thought that Cecil Fielder was a position in baseball when they were kids, Cecil Fielder would never disrespect <laughs> a barbecue that way.
0: Yeah, that was me. I thought it was a position. What do you want from me? I thought it was like a guy right behind second base, like not an outfielder, but not an infielder. Wow.
6: Cecil oh, like Fielder shift. I get it. Yeah, like that makes sense. Prince, we can agree, though, kale, the worst. Kale, I mean, you know, it, it, if you eat it, it's for the effects, not for, you know, it's for the, for the health factor, I guess. You know, you know what, though?
2: But, Prince, you became a vegan, right? You're out here on behalf of grilling, but are you still a vegan?
6: Oh, obviously not, you know. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> You're talking mac and cheese and I, hot dogs. I,
2: I, <laughs> I was very disappointed when you became a, a vegan. I imagine that your house looked like the Rocky Meat Locker in ter- that he trained in.
6: No, not that no, not that much.
2: Uh deep dish pizza, overrated or not overrated?
6: Growing up in Detroit for a while, the deep dish, you know, I I like they always I always bought them in Detroit and they were good to me. I liked them. I think they're they're rated just fine. All
3: right, I'm let's like, say you're yeah. cooking uh baby
2: back ribs. To go along with the Kingsford charcoal, what kind of wood would
3: you yeah.
6: use? I don't know. Didn't think about that.
2: Oh, you've stumped him. Mm. You've stumped our barbecue yeah, expert, you who's not it. actually a barbecue expert. <laughs> what's the most
0: you got, amount? What of, would
6: you use? What would you use? Pecan.
0: Ooh, nice. Okay. What's, it, maybe we should ask Roy. I mean, <laughs> what's the most amount of meat you could put down in one sitting, Prince? Five pounds? Man,
6: that's uh, probably not. I'd say probably two or three, depending on how hungry I was. Five is just—I'd start throwing up at five. <laughs> Would you rather go with a dry rub or would you I like the dry rub. Dry rub.
2: The best ballpark food, according to Prince Fielder, is?
6: Um, shoot, that's a good one. I'm gonna say Seattle. Uh what in Seattle? You're just
2: talking uh, about the general menu in Seattle?
6: Yeah, it's just fresh feels fresh. Feels fresh. It tastes you know, tastes tastes good.
0: people say a lot with burgers. Burgers are very tricky because people will say, like master barbecue chefs will say you only flip the burger once. And that's just to flip it on the other side. How many times does Prince Fielder flip a burger when he's grilling it?
6: I don't mind my, you know, steak and everything being medium. You know, sometimes medium char. You know, but I like—I can't do the the chewy burgers, bro. I gotta—that has to be cooked all the way. Burgers can't have the the middle bloody pink look. Not the burgers. All right, it's so a multiple so flips. I'll probably right. flip it like three or four times until it gets well done. I uh,
0: see what's going on uh, here. Prince has made a lot of dough in his life, and we're asking him. Cooking questions. This guy's got someone cooking for him, right? Oh, that's
6: a good. That's a good <laughs> question. I used to, but I'm retired. I'm at home now, so I don't want anybody else in my face all day. So I cook myself. You know. <laughs> when you're grilling hot One dogs, be going away.
3: when you're grilling yeah. hot dogs, yeah. Prince, do you put ketchup yeah. on those hot dogs?
6: Uh, it depends. I, I heard the ketchup isn't can't do. It. I heard mustard, you know, the way you're supposed to do it. So I try to do it the right way. But I like ketchup. But I try not to put it on them anymore because I read that ketchup on a hot dog isn't cool. It's
2: not. <laughs> No, it's not. No, it's not.
0: You no it's no it's not never cool at all. No <laughs> ketchup on a hot dog. People never. will throw you out of their barbecue if you put ketchup on a hot dog. That's not true. You can put ketchup, a little here. mustard you on a hot dog. It's you so shut good. up. You shut up. It's delicious. How dare it's all these my bro, hot dog do you? You can put ketchup
4: deletious
0: on. you Ketchup was made for burgers. Mustard was made for dogs. Period. End of discussion. What do you
2: mean? I love ketchup <laughs> on a hot dog! Hey, you get of oh, here. here!
5: You guys eat baby food! I bet
2: you <laughs> Cecil Fielder would not agree with this nonsense! I bet you he would! <laughs> what part of America
3: has the best barbecues? Is it Texas? Is it Kansas City? Memphis? Ooh, Carolinas? Good question. Uh, Texas is pretty good. I'm,
6: um, you know, it's pretty good. I like, uh, St. Louis is good, also has some good barbecue as well. Ooh, yeah, yeah, Why
3: are we asking yeah. Cecil Fielder? I mean, Prince Fielder is. Uh, I'm Prince. All, yeah, I'm sorry. Colleges, <laughs> <laughs> why are we asking him hot dog questions when this man played in Milwaukee, yeah. the best oh, brats, brats in Major League? Brats. What do you put on your brats when you're putting them on the grill?
6: Brats. I have. You know what? I never cooked brats. I cooked them a couple times, but I just, like I said, I like all. If it's not steak, I like mine. You know, just well done.
2: Prince, oh, wow. that's shocking. Shocking. You've never cooked a broth. You have now blasphemed against all of Milwaukee. You have blasphemed against Milwaukee. You
6: gotta go, you gotta eat, you know, I only buy those from people who know how to do it. I don't want to do it and mess it up. But if
2: that was like a prop bet, it'd be like
0: a minus five million.
6: (laughs) Have you ever cooked a
0: broth?
2: We wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, Again, he's with us on behalf of Kingsford Charcoal. You can find your team's recipe online at kingsford.com slash taste of the game. I've seen you in the body issue and I've just seen now Christian Jelich unassuming slugger for the Milwaukee Brewers and the body issue. How is he doing this, looking like that? Why are you asking baseball questions? Billy, what do you have? What's the matter with you? So <laughs> Go sit in the penalty box. Whoa! Whoa. Oh, my oh, my God.
0: Prince, you were, you were talking about Seattle's stadium food. How many times, because baseball obviously is a long game, how many times in your playing career did you send like a clubhouse guy or something and get you some stadium food during the game then sneak out because I need to go to the bathroom? Boom, hot dog.
6: Uh, never, never. I wasn't too hungry when I played. Because you know, I guess nerves or whatever. I wasn't hungry when I played. Usually, right after though. But when I was playing, I never really wanted to eat much.
2: Did you have uh, those clubhouse spreads were usually amazing, Prince? Did you have a weakness? Yeah. yeah, I know. In that clubhouse, I've been tempted as a reporter to go in there and grab stuff out of the tins that isn't uh, isn't for me. <laughs> I would like, have. What What is the thing in there that was your greatest weakness?
6: Well, that's I don't. It, it, each state, you know, each stadium has different things. So say if you played in Philly, it was you know, I'd always. They have the spreads and you can get cheesesteaks instead, so I probably do those.
2: Can you put Breakfast mustard on a cheesesteak? Is that allowed? I don't, uh, I've never done that.
6: No, yeah,
0: don't, and don't, I don't, don't do it. Right. Okay.
2: What,
6: <laughs>
2: what's the most exotic food you ever had?
6: Probably like, what is that? I think it's sea sea urchin, I think. So, yeah. What does that
2: taste like, sea urchin? It
6: was gross. I didn't like it. It was gross.
2: Can you put
0: ketchup on sea it urchin? Like...
6: You probably need to. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get to a realistic question. If I could make your fingers condiment shooters, so all your you have five fingers on one hand. Good question. You can get a, one condiment from each finger, but these are the only condiments you get for the rest of your life. Wow. Five condiments. They those. never run out. Which five all condiments? Right, hold you on a with? second.
2: This is big. Let's get the fanfare music here so we can get all five things from Prince Fielder. Five condiments. <laughs> for the rest of your life shooting out of each one of your fingers on your right hand uh what is the first condiment prince fielder is choosing
6: i would say ketchup
2: the fourth one prince fielder is choosing mustard the third one prince fielder is choosing
6: uh sriracha
2: the second one prince fielder is choosing
6: that's all I really
2: need. Let me see. That's it. You're gonna have an empty thumb. I don't like. I don't like mayonnaise.
0: Is butter a condiment? Um, butter. butter
6: is that a condiment? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Butter. How about? <laughs> Did he say barbecue sauce? About, he didn't say barbecue sauce. <laughs> uh, seems... I don't. I don't like barbecue sauce. Oh, I wow. like. I like when people are able to. Yeah. I like when they able to get ribs and they you know do it just right. You don't need it.
0: He
2: likes a dry rub, Dan. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the thumb. The thumb is giving. What's the thumb? Uh, blue um, cheese,
6: ranch, anything. We'll go. We'll go. Oh, we'll go. The condiment is actually, uh, you know, we need well maple syrup. Is that one? Oh, yes, nice. just, yes, yes, it, it is. is. Perfect. That's yes. a good. That's a good
1: <laughs> fish to put together, Prince. Thank you for being on with us. Prince Fielder a vegan until a charcoal company drives up a boatload of money to his house. Then, nah. Of course, Dan Levitard never. Nah. And you can hear him weekdays from ten to one right here on five sixty the Joe W Q A M. Shaq and Kobe. I swear they're siblings because they're always at each other's jugulars. Stephen A. Smith going to dive into that next here on the Best of the Joe Show. It's the Best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I'm Dan Day, wishing Florence Welsh of Florence and the Machine, who you're listening to right now, very happy 33rd birthday. Gotta say, one of the greatest live concerts I have ever seen. Florence and the Machine. So if you get a chance, be sure to check them out. Some of the best analysis around is Stephen A. Smith. Right now, he's weighing in and spitting venom in every direction when it comes to Kobe, Shaq, Smack. Smack. Kobe Bryant made news,
8: the great Kobe Bryant, the future Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Famer that is Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest players to have ever blessed us with this game, his game putting his greatness on display, that Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant uh was interviewed and uh spoke about Shaquille O'Neal, and obviously, if you were listening to him, it was not uh, very, very flattering. Uh, he and Shaq had won three titles together. Despite it, the two had become foes and the complicated relationship had forged. Just read it from one of the articles here. Brian was recently in Las Vegas for the 10th annual PHP Agency Convention, and he got to be interviewed by Patrick Bett david At one point, Brian was asked about Shaq's work ethic and whether or not he went hard in the gym. As Brian explained, he's told Shaq numerous times that he's, quote-unquote, a lazy ass, end quote. Although he was quick to give him some high praise as well. According to Kobe Bryant, he'd be the greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. He, You know, Brian said when speaking on how Shaq would have been had he gone to the gym. Kobe, he'd be the first to tell you that. I wish he was in the gym. I would have had 12 effing rings. End quote. Let me come to Kobe's defense in this regard. He has said nothing in that interview that he hasn't said on numerous occasions, including the Shaq's face. Kobe Bryant didn't say anything behind Shaq's back. He wasn't phony. He wasn't fake. He was as real and as candid and as authentic as you know him to be. If you know Kobe Bryant, there is nothing surprising about what he said. He's told Shaq that to his face. He said it behind his back. He said it in public. He said it in private. He said it to Hall of Famers. He said it to Scrubs. It don't matter. Kobe Bryant has always said that about Shaquille O'Neal. Those of us close to Shaquille O'Neal who loves Shaquille O'Neal like a brother, we all know what Kobe has had to say and couldn't say a damn thing against it. Because it is absolutely true that there have been times or there were times in the past when Kobe Bryant would be on the court working his tail off for hours upon hours at a time improving upon his game, there have been times when Kobe Bryant spoke to Shaq direct and was like, let's do this, big fella, let's get it going. And then we'll go in the training room and see Shaq swallowing about three Big Macs. It's absolutely true absolutely true there's no denying it but here's why I think if the question was being asked like it was fair or foul the only issue I had with Kobe Bryant saying what he said is that to bring it up now in the fashion that he brought it up you knew Shaq Shaq was gonna clap back because you knew that Shaq was offended no matter what Shaq says because Shaq would be the first to tell you ain't no lazy dude winning four rings which Shaq has done in his illustrious career ain't no lazy dude as dominant as I was ain't no lazy dude going to be considered outside of Will Chamberlain the most dominant and forced to have ever graced the floor of basketball. Shaq will also tell you, as he said on Instagram in his clap back at Kobe, we would have won more championships if you passed the damn ball in the Detroit series. Which was true, because back then, the heat between Shaq and Kobe, ladies and gentlemen, I would never divulge that stuff without the permission of both players. I would never do that to them, because both of them are my boys. I got love for both of them. Both of them. Forever, but I'm here to tell you something right now. I got to get their permission to, to reveal the stuff that 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 about how deep their hatred with each other went. Once upon a time, I mean, it was bad. It was really, really, really bad. And when Shaq sits up there and says that Kobe didn't want to give him the ball during the final series that they lost the five games to Detroit Pistons, I'll be damned if he's lying. He's absolutely right. The hatred, the fuel, had elevated to such proportions. That it actually affected their play together on the court in that final series. There is no doubt about it. There is no doubt about it. I can tell you one time, just so y'all know, because you're looking at Big Shaq, 7'1", 350 pounds, and here was the crazy part about Kobe. Most people would be scared of somebody that size, that ferocious, that powerful. Kobe was not scared of Shaq at all. I came on the air one time with y'all years ago when I was on ESPN 710 LA just to show the local show. And I said, yo, relationship basically was over before it started because Shaq slapped the hell out of Kobe Bryant at a gym. I think it was at a Loyola Marymount, if I can remember correctly, in the the summertime before Kobe's career with the Lakers even started. He was a rookie that was just drafted. That's what I had said at the time. And Kobe called me and was like, he tried to slap me. He missed. He never slapped me. Get that straight. That's what he said years ago. And from the moment that Shaq tried to put his hands on him, it was never the same. So much so that years later, when they were teammates and they were winning championships, and people were talking about Kobe shooting the basketball too much and and, and not being a team player and being a bit selfish, if I remember correctly, I think that was the issue. Even though I can't tell you specifically what the issue was when Kobe did what I'm about to tell you, let me tell you what Kobe Bryant did because I'm trying to give you some insight into who the hell he is. He ain't no fake fluff phony kind of dude now he ain't the seven foot one Shaq, arguably the most powerful man we've seen in the sport in the modern era but when it comes to heart and complete fearlessness that some would argue were towards suicide proportions when you're talking about going up against Shaquille O'Neal let me assure you Kobe Bryant was not scared at all Oh, damn it. Sometimes it's almost like he wanted to get into a fist fight with Shaq. And so I forgot what the incident was. Kobe Bryant grabbed the newspaper article and went to each locker in front of everybody. Called every one of his teammates an MF and said, you said this mf'er." Show the article. You said this mf'er. You, you, you said this MF. Went to each locker stall, including Shaq's. That's Kobe Bryant. Ain't scared of nothing. That's who he is. That's who he was as a player. So understand, I'm not telling you, Kobe didn't say anything. He didn't say anything that he hasn't said to Shaq's face. He didn't say anything that misrepresents what his position has always been. It is completely and totally consistent. But I still think it was a little foul. And the only reason I think it was a little foul is because you and Shaq sat down. You discussed it. You discussed your career's phenomenal interview with the two of you on NBA TV, which all talking to one another one-on-one, no intermediary, just going back and forth, etc., etc. each missing the positives and each admitting rather the positives and some flaws about the other or about each other. And all of that was supposed to be squashed. Now to me, Kobe saying what he said yesterday, it's just Kobe being candid and matter of fact about it. But the clap back from Shaq, says he was a bit offended. And if you Kobe, you had to know Shaq would be offended. Which means saying it, you just didn't care. Probably not a big deal. Knowing Shaq, he'll brush it off, laugh it off, talk about its marketing. Just another brilliant move on his part. And Kobe was in on it. Knowing Shaq, he'll come up with some cockamamie story like that. But it ain't that simple. Let me be the first to say, here's what I love about Kobe. No matter what the fallout is, Kobe ain't gonna give a damn. He said what he said, he meant what he meant, period. Period. Kobe ain't trying to assuage anybody's concern. He ain't trying to gloss over it and smooth the edges. He ain't trying to do none of that. Thank Kobe. My only point is, I thought we were past all of this. I will say this, too. I don't think Kobe and Shaq together would have had 12 rings. They might have had seven, but not 12. I don't believe that. I just don't believe that. I think they might have had two more titles together, five or six maybe, actually. They might have had two more titles together. Remember, Shaq went to Miami. Let's not forget the Dallas Mavericks who lost to the Miami Heat at the time when B- Dwayne Wade came onto the scene and just let everybody know, I'm that dude. I'm that dude. I'm that future Hall of Famer. This MJ, this Kobe, and there's me. That's what Dwayne Wade said when he averaged about 37 in the final four games against the Dallas Mavericks. What a monster performance. But if you recall, and you talked to some Dallas Mavericks at that time, their belief was they didn't lose the series because of Shaq. They lost it because of Alonzo Mourning. He was a terror defensively. Shaq could get his points to dunk on anybody. He could do a whole bunch of things. The dream shake, he had that to his game too. But Alonzo Mourning was that nightmare for the Dallas Mavericks on the offensive side of the ball because he was so surreal defensively. That's what they would tell you. So Shaq with Kobe, 12 rings, hell no. Seven rings, probably not. Six rings, maybe. Five rings, definitely, together. But that's the interesting thing about Kobe, and that's the foresight that he deserves because, again, if I had to pick fear or foul, I would use the word foul for him bringing that stuff up. But I will tell you, he looks kind of brilliant that Shaq was going and he ultimately ended up going back to three straight NBA finals and winning back-to-back championships in 09 and 10. Because we talk about Kobe differently. Had Kobe won, and I'll ask you, the, the, the Kobe fans everywhere, the basketball fans everywhere, particularly the Los Angelesians everywhere, I'd ask you this simple question. If Kobe Bryant, as a fan of Kobe Bryant rather, what do you prefer? The five rings that he has, the way that he had them? Or six, seven, eight, eight eight rings with Shaquille O'Neal the whole time? What do you think would have been best for his legacy? Because we know what Kobe's answer is. What's yours?
1: Stephen A. Smith can be heard on this radio station weekdays from 1 to 3. And let me remind you, tomorrow, beginning at 4, it's pregame for the Dolphins versus the Saints. Will Jadavian Clowney be with the team or not? We'll just have to wait and see. Although recently, Coach Flores did make some comments about the Dolphins' present and future moves.
9: I think every team's always looking, you know, know, this year obviously is at the forefront. Um, But every team in this league is, you know, is, is looking you know, into the future, you know, future years, um, uh, and we're no different. I think you know we keep that you know in mind as well as you know today and this year's team. We, like, we've got all of that, and you have to we have to balance all those things as a as an organization. And um, you know how you do that is through communication, open, honest communication. You know, this is what I think. This is what you think. Let's talk it, talk it through like any like like you know, any, any 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 decisions you make you you know i think that's that's the process um, i think we have a good process it's something that you know we've worked on you know really since i've got here um, any decision we make it goes through a, a certain process uh, so it's well thought out um, a lot of time goes into it a lot of thought goes into it um, and all those variables that we are that we're talking about production on the field um, uh, age salary cap they all play into it there's no um, i mean i I know we want to have one reason why this happened or that happened, but that's just not how this works.
1: Um, and, uh, again, you know, we'll always do what we think is best. My two favorite teams, the Saints and the Dolphins, going at it tomorrow. Be sure to listen to it here, 560 The Joe, WQAM. I'm about done. You can get the podcast, radio.com app, wherever you get your podcasts, or at our website, wqam.com. I'm Dan Day. This is the best of The Joe Show. Later, slug.